Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the CAV Sports Podcast. It's your host, with the most, Chris. I hope everyone's having a fantastic day. I know I am. A lot of stuff is happening. The NBA Finals, as of this recording, is tomorrow night. I'm super excited for that, along with we are less than 100 days away from the NFL season Kicking off less than 100 days, everybody. Football is almost back. And I know college football is a little less than 100 as well. So we have a lot of great stuff going on right now. So let's hop straight into the episode. So to start off, I know everybody saw, everybody saw it. The Dallas Stars lost. It was a heartbreaker. It really was. The the worst part of the whole of the loss is for sure losing at home. I believe that's one of the worst ways you can lose in a series. No matter if you are in the NBA, NHL, wherever, whatever plays a series, that is the absolute killer. Like that is the one you never want to lose is the game at home. And the worst part of it all is that we were right there. We were coming back. We were kind of building momentum and it just did it work out? And I've, it's frustrating. Sometimes it happens, though. You know, sometimes you don't get the, you don't get the win. Sometimes you don't make that comeback in the series. Just like the Celtics, we'll get to them in a second. But it happened to the Stars, and it was, it was just so frustrating because I kept seeing the game go and go and go, and I'm thinking to myself, what are we doing? Like, what are we honestly doing right now? Why are we down by 3-0 before the third period? why like this should not be happening we are on the verge of getting eliminated and this is exactly how we're playing it was just frustrating it really really was because i can't stress enough like kind of just how critical it was to come back like that start making that comeback you know paralleling with the boston celtics kind of you know trying to be the underdog and come back and win it all when the Las Vegas Golden Knights gave us a chance to come back and win it. The worst part of it all is that I felt that we should have gone to Game 7 because we should have at least won Game 2. For sure, we had Game 2. And we I think we had Game 1 because we went into overtime. And that was the worst part of it all. It wasn't like we were getting our butts kicked for three straight games and then we won two. It was the fact that we were close. There were two games where we could have won. And in those two games, we lost them in overtime. And it is, it's just frustrating. Like, it really is. I know a lot of you out there, sports fans, sympathize with me because it sucks when your team loses like that. And it's just absolutely horrendous when we lose in that kind of fashion. Just like the Celtics. We're going to get to them. But that's that's kind of my point I'm making here with the Stars. But it was still a great season. The Western Conference Championship, a lot of teams didn't even make it that far. So we have to take our wins where we can and just, I don't know, Maybe in the offseason, address the goalie situation because Ottinger, he's good. But there are times where it's just he'll allow those many that many goals, and it gets frustrating to me because it's like, dude, you are the goalie. You're supposed to be one of the best goalies in the West, and we are giving up that many points. That is not good. So that might be a point of concern for Dallas to look into this offseason. But I still want to say congratulations to the Dallas Stars on a great season. The Western Conference Championship in the Stanley Cup. Congratulations to you guys for getting that far. And I know we'll be back next year. Dallas Stars. And we'll just have to go from there. So before I continue on though. Remember I will be at the Lubbock Civic Center. June 17th. Live episode of the podcast. Make sure you guys get your tickets for that. If you want to go see me there. Or tune in. 
I did decide for that I'm probably just going to do two episodes of the podcast just so that way I can do one with how I usually do it, how I run it like this. I talk about what's going on and then I go, you know, that one's going to be a whole separate thing. That'll probably be like a special edition episode that won't be really one like where it's, you know, where it's like kind of something like 27 or 28, something like that. will be probably be a special episode and we'll go from there. But I just want to let you guys know, remember... June 17th, Lubbock Memorial Civic Center with Butter being the boxer. Special guest, live episode in front of everybody. Can't wait for it. So, first topic of the day. The Celtics lose 84-103 to to the Miami Heat in Game 7 in Boston. I feel bad for the Celtics fans because they had... So much hope. You would not believe the Twitter, pay, the tweeting I saw from Celtics fans saying that they the Red Sox do it. Why can't we do it? This and that. Here's why you can't do it. Because if you're not, if you're shooting three pointers very poorly, you're not going to win the game. So let's start with the Heat. I think the Heat did a good job in this game to close it out. It was a rough couple of games uh, after leading 3-0 and almost giving up a 3-0 lead to lose it. To the Miami Heat, and they did it. And I'm gl- I'm glad they won. I had the Miami Heat winning the series in six, in five or six. I did not think they would go to seven. I but I did know that Jimmy Butler was not going to allow this to happen. Caleb Martin, oh my God, Caleb Martin did so well in the Eastern Conference Finals and some part of the playoffs. He's done really well. I know some people felt somebody else should have been the MVP of the conference championship, but. I mean, Jimmy Butler has been carrying that team basically for the majority of a season. So we'll have to go about it that way and hope, you know, hopefully uh, people can understand that. I know I did, but Caleb Martin, man, took over this game and did so well, in my opinion. I thought he did incredible. And I also, you know, pairing it with Jimmy Butler, that was kind of my thing of how they were going to beat the Celtics whenever the series first began, is that Jimmy Butler and someone else is going to have to, you know, come up and do it. And that's exactly what happened. Jimmy Butler and Caleb Martin took it over in the Game 7. I believe they combined for 54 points. Uh, Caleb Martin had 26. Jimmy Butler had 28. So combined 54, and they just did well, like I said. They were able to make it work. Vincent, man, he was hitting some necessary threes when they absolutely needed it, and so did Caleb Martin. So I'm I'm glad the Heat won because they were able to finish it off strong, and I'm very happy that they were. It was just it was a little nerve wracking because I did have the Heat winning this winning this series and going on to the going on to the finals. But they have a tough road ahead of them with the Nuggets. But we'll get to who I'm picking in that series in a second. Let's go to the Celtics. First of all, who do I blame for this? It's not going to be Jason Tatum. It's not. Here's why I don't blame Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum got a foot injury in the first play of the game. First play of the game, got injured. And he still played on an injured foot. And I thought that was pretty miraculous. Not a lot of players would have done that. Because I know a lot of people, definitely a lot of players would have not tried to play on an injured foot, especially in Game 7 situations. And I believe he even commented after the game saying that he felt like a shell of himself. Like he just didn't feel like... He just didn't feel 100%, which I mean makes sense. You got you had a foot injury, so I don't really blame him. He didn't have he wasn't 100% healthy after the first play of the game, got hurt, still played through it though. But wow, the rest of the team was just not good. Here was the biggest reason why though they shot 21.4% from the three point line. 
And it frustrates me because it's – so my mindset in all this, maybe somebody else in basketball can explain this to me. But if your team collectively is missing – is only hitting two out of the ten three-pointers that they're shooting, why would you keep shooting the ball? Why are we still taking three-pointers? We are not making a – it's not our night. It's going to take a while to heat up. We're already in a hole. Why not go get points? Why not drive it into the lane? Why not go to the free throw line? Let's stop the clock for at least two minutes, get the free throws going, and let's come back that way and play, you know, play some defense. There were times in the game where I just thought, why are y'all shooting horrible threes, contested threes, low percentage shots? Why are you guys shooting them? I get that you're down, but that's not the way to do to come back in the game if you are not hitting your shots. They are 21.4% from uh, from three last night. And it was so frustrating, or not last, uh, the other night. They were so, they were just not good from the three-point line. And in my head, why would you not adjust? Why would you not tell the, the players, hey, let's stop shooting threes. Let's get in the lane. Let's get this, let's get back in this game. Let's get a rhythm, and then we'll explore the three-point later. That's, like, that's kind of my logic. Like I said, someone else can maybe explain it to me. But from how I see it, if you're not making threes, Stop shooting threes. Stop it. Like, you're not making them. You're just putting us in a hole, especially when the Miami Heat were having a good day. Caleb Martin and Jimmy Butler were hitting their shots, or at least hitting their stride, and then Vincent's hitting threes on the other end. We we got to get stops. We got to get points, whether it be in free throws or layups or, or higher percentage shots. And that's what I thought was more frustrating when I saw from the Celtics, even though I wasn't rooting for the Celtics, that was just frustrating for me to see. I can only imagine if you are a Celtics fan and you went through that. I can only imagine something like that happening because it's it's just infuriating. Even when I watch, not even at the professional level. Same thing with college or even high school. Whenever I've seen high school basketball games, it's to me it's like why are you keep why do you keep shooting if you are not making shots? If you're not making shots, stop shooting threes. Because it's not working, you're putting us in a hole, and that's exactly where we don't need to be right now. We need to get points on the board. And that's what the Celtics should have done. That's what they should have prioritized when they realized we are shooting 2 for t- two for 10, or about 1 for 5, if you divide that down, and we are not hitting them. We gotta think of something else. We gotta get on the board a different way because <laughs> trying to shoot three is not working. Jason Tatum's on one foot. Jalen Brown not playing good, not shooting well from the three, and everyone else isn't shooting well. Then stop it. Like just fix it. Don't even try to. Just work around it and go another direction. Get points is the name of the game. You are in a game seven, and there and. The Celtics just kept putting themselves in the deeper and deeper hole with every missed three that they shot. Every time it missed, just deeper, deeper grave, deeper grave, deeper grave. All right, we made one. Deeper grave, deeper grave, deeper grave. You you just can't do that. And I think the head coach should have thought about that too. Is that hey, we gotta we gotta think of something else. We gotta think of some sort of different game plan. And we gotta stop. We gotta slow down Caleb Martin. Even though Butler did do good, he didn't have a really good shooting percentage for the game. Caleb Martin, I think, had a better one. But that should have been another concern: is we gotta figure out how we're gonna stop Caleb Martin. Cause it's something different when Jimmy Butler's going off. But when you have two people going off, 
You're you're not gonna win, especially when you're not you're not hot right now. And that was the frustrating thing for what just watching the Celtics was that they literally shot themselves out of the game. They put themselves in the hole to where they could not they couldn't rebound it anymore. Where they were not gonna catch them because the Heat were just too on fire in this game. And that's exactly when you wanna catch fire is a game seven elimination game, card you know, cards stacked against you. What are you going to do, Miami? And they got hot when they absolutely needed it. And this was an example of it. This is also an example. I heard this uh, yesterday was that the classic saying, hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. Because on paper, the Celtics have a way more talented team than Miami right now. Minus Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero coming back, which, by the way, one of my favorite NBA players right now. Love Tyler Hero. This was an example of it, and I'm happy that Miami Heat were able to just work hard for it because they absolutely deserved it with, you know, beating teams, beating the Bucks, beating the Knicks, and now beating the Celtics. They almost got eliminated in the play-in tournament. Now they're the first ever number uh, eight seed to go to the finals. It's just incredible. It's history in the making, and I'm happy the Miami Heat were the, was the one to do it, and they did not blow the 3-0 lead, but... The Celtics, you guys got to figure it out. Like, there's got to be another way to do it. Now, who knows what they're going to do in the offseason? I've heard rumors that maybe Jalen and Tatum should break up. I don't think so. I don't think that's going to be the answer. But we'll talk about that in another episode. But now we're going to go on to the finals. This is just kind of my, my pick. I love Miami. I love Tyler Hero. But I'm sorry. I think the Nuggets have way too much depth. I think the Nuggets are going to probably... They've dominated the whole playoffs and they're probably going to continue it especially coming off a lot of rest so i think the nuggets are going to beat the heat i think they're going to they're going to probably beat them in five i have them winning either in five or six it's going to be one of the two because miami's not going to get swept like the lakers i don't believe that at all they're not going to get swept i think that they work way too hard they have they you know, outwork they've outworked all of their competition in the East this year, or at least in the playoffs, they were able to outwork all the teams they went up against. And now they have another obstacle. Obviously, Jokic, one of the best players in the league right now, and probably one of the best in the world. Jamal Murray, who's having a good postseason, proving that he's not just bubble bubble Murray. So is Jimmy Butler. They're proving that they're they are both proving that they are not bubble players. You know, whenever they went to the bubble, they're proving that they are the effector. But the Nuggets have Aaron Gordon. They have, they just have so much depth that the Heat, I believe, are lacking in, especially since how reliant they are with Jimmy Butler. Now, Tyler Hero, I believe they said game three, he's looking to return off of his fractured hand. So that is a good sign. They're going to have their sixth man come back. You know, he's definitely going to be a big help off the bench. I don't know how much he's going to play necessarily or how much, you know, freedom he's gonna have i'm probably he won't have a lot of it but they'll figure it out but it's gonna be a good series for sure it's gonna be a physical one and it's gonna be a competitive one now sticking with the nba this is kind of interrupt our program to bring you this important message hey everybody chris from the cav sports podcast and i want to give you guys a major announcement the cav sports podcast will have a live episode. Join me June 16th through the 18th at the Lubbock Memorial Civic Center for West Texas Comic Con. 
Make sure to get your tickets today. And on June 17th, we will be having a special taping of the CAV Sports Podcast with special guest, Butterbean the Boxer. I want to thank Goldmine Collectibles and West Texas Comic Con for even making this happen. I'm super excited. Remember, June 17th at the Lubbock Memorial Civic Center, live, the CAV Sports Podcast will be going with special guest Butterbean. See you there. This is kind of just major news that kind of shocked everyone. Bob Myers, the GM of the Golden State Warriors, is not returning. What does this mean? Does this mean the dynasty's over in Golden State? Does What's going to happen now? Now, where do I think this came from? I think this was a tough decision for Bob Myers to make. It really was because he was there for 11 years. He was there for the four championships, three to four championships that they won in the last six years. He was there. He has a great relationship with Steph Curry. He has a great relationship with Clay, Draymond, Jordan Poole. Here's where I, I here's what's going on. What I'm thinking is going on. Golden State is going downhill really fast. Let me explain why. Let me explain why. So let's let's start from the beginning. Trust is gone. Because Draymond Green punches Jordan Poole in the face. I believe Steve Kerr uh, admitted it after they got lost to the Lakers in the playoffs that they just didn't have the trust anymore because of that punch. Ever since Jordan Poole took that hit from Draymond Green, nothing's been the same. So I think that's already that was already issue number one. Because they during the season, they were one of the worst teams playing against playing on the road. I believe they were at the bottom. They lost 30 road games this season, and that's not good, especially on, especially when you play on the road. That is when trust is needed, and there just wasn't that much trust between Jordan Poole and Draymond Green and the rest of the team. So we're already off to a bad start. That's where probably issues started arising. Now, here's the next issue. Money. Money talks. Money makes the world go wild. Here's going to be the issue and the problem. Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Who are you keeping? Keeping Clay? You keeping Draymond? Because Draymond, I believe he has a player option, so he they can venture that for a couple years. But what are they gonna do about Clay? How much money do you give Clay Thompson? Because he's not he's not the same Clay Thompson before the injury. Stephen Curry's thirty five. He does need that help because I think he's gonna need it, especially getting up there in age. But Clay has not. But Clay Thompson has not been the same. There are times where he's not productive. There are times where he doesn't look like the second Splash Brother. And I think that it's starting to daunt on them that they are in a major money crisis. Not to mention that they overpaid Jordan Poole way too early is another factor in this whole problem here. So they're about to go, they're about to sink because they're not going to have any money. And now they got to figure out how they're going to either pay Clay or Draymond. Like I said, Draymond Green's a little bit more of a team guy, you know. Maybe he'll take the player options for another two, three years with a comfortable price that's suitable for Draymond Green and the Golden State Warriors. However, though, Clay, we're not so sure because he may want some extra money, you know, or they may try to. So Bob Mayer's leaving, and that's what I'm saying was interesting because now that the season is over, now they have all these problems that they're going to have to face. Now he's gone. Like I said, great relationship with the team, Steve Kerr, everything. And I and that's what I'm thinking is what happened, is that he left, he's leaving before the storm begins. He is getting out of there because he was up for 
of he was up for a re-signing of the contract, and I'm sure Golden State offered him a lot of money to stay, more than probably some other GM jobs, but he chose not to come back. You know, like I said, being there 11 years, been there for three, uh, three to four championships out of the six years that have passed. It's it's just kind of a question mark to why, but I believe that's what's going on. It's just Golden State right now is about to hit a real, real bad downhill because no trust is already a big problem. For me, if you, I can't trust you or you don't trust that person playing, people playing sports can, can vouch for me on this. When you can't trust the person next to you to do their job, how do you expect them to come up big for you or to trust them down the road? You know what I mean? So let's use this for an example. Say you're a quarterback, right? But you don't trust your offensive line. So guess what? Now you're going to have to do extra stuff because you can't trust your offensive line or you don't trust the wide receiver to make the play. Now, now let's look at Draymond Green and Jordan Poole. Draymond Green punched Jordan Poole in the face. Now they can't trust each other because there's that hot tension between each other and it wasn't able to get reconciled. I believe that the Golden State Warriors did a good job to keep that under wraps because everyone kind of thought, all right, well, I guess it's over, we're done. No, it's not over and we're done because they, they didn't reconcile anything. And that's the worst part of it all, in my opinion, is because once you break trust with that other individual that you're working with, it is very, very hard to get that back. And anyone who is anyone can vouch for that. Not even take away sports. In life, you know, school project, you miss out on doing your part. Guess what? I'm not going to trust you to do the next section. A job, when you don't turn in, you don't do something or fulfill it, and you say, my bad, I got you next time. I'm, that per The boss is not going to trust you to get it done next time. It's a very hard thing to build. And with Jordan Poole and Draymond Green and that whole situation happening before the season began, it, that's just what started, and it never got fixed. And since it never got fixed, or they never earned each other's trust back, or vice versa, whoever's trust, that was the issue. And now they're about to go down on top of money. Because I believe... I believe if the trusting was not a problem, the money can be fixed. We can figure out the money situation, but who knows how much they're gonna? Who knows how much Clay Thompson's gonna want? If Draymond Green will agree to take, you know, a player player selected pay, and what else is gonna happen? Because Jordan Poole got his money. I thought he got overpaid. I thought he should have not got paid then. But here we are. Now we're in the problem. So now Golden State's gotta buckle up and. Figure it out because there's no way they're going to get out of this. There's no way. There's too much issues going on. And Bob Mayer saw that and said, you know what? I'm going to step back, step away from this because this this ship is about to sink. And it's going to sink hard and fast. So do I think the dynasty's over? The Golden State dynasty. I think we're looking at the, at the beginning of the end for the Golden State Warriors. I do believe so. Because Bob Mayer leaving... Who knows what's going to happen with Clay or Draymond. Jordan Poole and Draymond don't trust each other. Uh, Jordan Poole is supposed to be the third star on that team. I don't know where he was in the playoffs, but Stephen Curry's 35. He's getting up there in age. And there were some points in the season and in the playoffs, age was creeping. You can see it when he played. There were times where, you know, like, oh, he looks 35. But then the other times he looks phenomenal. He looks amazing. But we got to keep in mind he's 35. And, we got, and they got to figure that out. I think that's what Golden State needs to do. Is they're going to have to figure it out with Bob, without Bob Mayers. And Bob Mayers, and I also believe he just didn't want to make that tough decision on who he needs to pay first. Is it going to be Clay or is it going to be Draymond or what they're going to do?
So I think he got out of there before any more damage was going to be done or anything else was going to be a problem. And now here they are in this situation. And Golden State's got to figure it out without a GM. And hopefully they can get a new GM by next season. Go about it that route. But we'll have to wait and see. But it's going downhill. And I think the dynasty is on the first steps to possibly fading away. Alrighty. So moving on to the meat and potatoes of the podcast. The NFL. Like I said, less than 100 days away from opening opening day of the NFL season. I'm super excited. OTAs are in process. Training camp is about to begin soon. And I'm very excited. So I want to address this before I hit the topics here. So a lot of people have been showing me the video of Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers practices. He's missing throws and everyone's losing their minds and laughing. I'd, I'd, hold the, I'd hit the break on it. That was a couple clips. And the, here's where I thought it here's the where I thought the embarrassing part of the video was. Kyle Trask was doing the same has having the same issue. He wasn't connecting on his throws either. Kyle Trask has been in Tampa longer than Baker has. I think Baker has an excuse. He just got there. He's never worked with these players before. He doesn't know how they work. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't have that connection. Kyle Trask, on the other hand, has been there. He has no excuse to be having these issues right now. He doesn't. And he's missing throws. So I think that's what we should be looking at here is that Kyle Trask is not performing as well as he thinks he is. He keeps saying, I should be the starting quarterback, or I should be the one backing up Brady. He doesn't look like it. Baker has Baker just got there. He doesn't know who he's working with yet. He's got to figure that out. He's going to take a little bit of time. Kyle Trask has been there, and he has not been doing good. So I think Kyle Trask needs to look at himself in the mirror and say, you know what, i got to start making better passes and not get laughed at on Twitter. I think that's what everyone should be more worried about. I I don't I'm not worried about Baker Mayfield. I'm not. He's going to figure it out. Give him some time. That's why they have OTAs. That's why they have training camp. That they're going to figure it out. He still has talent on the team. He still has some good wide receivers, a good offensive line. They're going to see what they're going to do, how they're going to run the offense. So everyone put the brakes because it I don't think it's that bad. Like I said, all we saw was one little clip of them throwing bad passes. No one else showed any other footage of them being there completing passes and stuff. Because I bet you, if they were completing passes, they would not be bringing that up. Just saying. Alrighty, so, speaking of drama, the Las Vegas Raiders are having a lot of issues right now. So first up, the Raiders having issues with Devontae, Devontae Adams. What? So there was a report that Devontae Adams has criticized the offense. He does not like the direction it is going. With the new quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Josh McDaniels says that you know they're like he'll take it, he'll take his criticisms into consideration. First of all, no, we ain't. I think Josh McDaniels said the right was just saying the right thing and saying like, oh, we'll take our star wide receivers, we'll take his input and go about it that way. I think he did what any other coach would say, you know, like, oh, okay, yeah, he's our star player, we'll take it in consideration, you know, to get the media, you know, off their backs. Josh McDaniels came from the Bill Belichick tree. If anyone knows how Bill Belichick and that tree works, his say is the last is the last say, and that's it. He's the first say, and he's the final say in how this whole thing works. Josh McDaniels learned that from Bill Bill Belichick. I don't think that that's going to be anything different. Now, 
What I find more disturbing is that Devontae Adams is criticizing the offense after they just came off a bad year, a bad year, mind you, last season with Derek Carr, and now he's saying that it's possibly even worse with Jimmy Garoppolo, which we're not even sure if he's going to play. Get to that in a minute. So I think that's a red flag for all of Raider Nation because he's saying, I don't, I don't, I'm not feeling this offense right now. I'm not feeling it. And that's a concern because that's your star wide receiver saying that he's not liking it. What now, devil's advocate, it may be that he's not getting a lot of touches. They may run the ball with Josh Jacobs a little bit more to kind of ease it off. But you got Devontae freaking Adams. You have one of the, either the best, arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL along with Mind you, he's top three in the NFL at wide receiver. I think he's number one. And he's not liking the offense. Now, he he's already made a reputation with and without Aaron Rodgers when he was in Green Bay with Rodgers. Came, he came to Las Vegas on a down year and still had great numbers. So with him saying that he's not liking it, whether it be less passing plays and more running or they have to change it up because Derek Carr is injury prone. I think that's a bigger concern for the Raiders and Raiders nation because, because they don't have either whether the offense isn't running right or Jimmy Garoppolo can't make the offense work. So they have to take some aspects out of their, out of their game, like probably limiting the throwing ability. And now Devontae Adams is going to be rendered useless. And I don't think that's what they should do. They have the best wide receiver in the NFL at their disposal. Use him. He's not Tyreek Hill fast, but he can. He has great release speed. He can break out of the routes fast, and he is just a dominant wide receiver. Why not keep utilizing him? So whether the case, whatever the case may be for the Las Vegas Raiders, they gotta they gotta keep that in mind. Is that they do have a star wide receiver that. Probably wants to help make the offense better, but Josh McDaniels, like I said, is from the Bill Belichick tree. He, whatever he says goes. I think what he told the media was just what the media wanted to hear. Was that, oh, hey, we're going to take his uh, his input into consideration. There's not any issues. There's no drama. Everything is fine. We all hold hands sing Kumbaya around a fire pit. Which, that's exactly not the case because I don't think Devontae Adams would really come out saying that kind of stuff. If it wasn't absolutely dire. And now it's a pretty dire situation in Las Vegas. And I think that's the concern right now. But bigger concern is about... Hey everybody, I just want to take a real quick pause from the podcast to introduce our first sponsor, One Guy from Italy on University. One Guy from Italy on University is a local Lubbock restaurant located right next to Texas Tech University. They have some of the best food in town. I know personally I go order. The House Calzone is my favorite. And also, they have been voted to have the best calzones in Texas. So if you're ever in Lubbock, Texas, make sure you guys stop by One Guy from Italy on University. And thank you guys for being our first sponsor of the podcast. Now, let's get back to the episode. It's about Jimmy Garoppolo. So moving on, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, he just got surgery on his foot and he's still not on the field. Here's what's crazy to me about this report here, because this ties into the Devontae Adams situation. So Jimmy Garoppolo, as we know, got hurt his foot last season. Got surgery on it. He got traded. Uh, he got traded from the San Francisco 49ers. Now he's in Las Vegas. Here's the crazy thing. He didn't pass his physical, but they but the Raiders signed him anyways. So what I think is crazy is that first of all, the Raiders still signed him. I think if he didn't pass the physical, they sh- that should have been red flag number one, my opinion. But whatever. 
But now with Jimmy Garoppolo, they're saying that he may not be ready for 2023. That there's been reports, CBS Sports has reported on a bunch of other news outlets. They're saying that he might not be ready for the 2023 season. However, comma, the Raiders do have an injury clause that says that if he doesn't play because of his injury, he will not get money. So I guess the Raiders save themselves in a, in a sense. But that's but my problem is that if they signed him, didn't pass the physical, and they have that clause in his contract, why in the world did you trade or sign Jimmy Garoppolo? Like, what was the point in that? Like, honestly, what was the point in that? I didn't understand it. So now the Raiders might have an issue because their, court, their starting quarterback that they got is not ready to go. And that's, that's the concerning part. Because now, if he's not ready by August or J- July and August, they got to go get a quarterback. Whether it be Andy Dalton or go sign Matt Ryan or Carson Wentz. Go find somebody to make their offense work and try to get them a couple wins. Maybe, maybe they're going to be the ones to tank tank and get Caleb Williams who knows but this isn't looking good if Jimmy Garoppolo isn't ready to play and he didn't pass his physical and they had to put a clause in his contract I wouldn't say it's just as bad as the Kyler Murray situation because his was just more you know his personal situation is just more of a a shot at his personality but this is more of a of a situation for the Raiders because they will not have a starting quarterback ready to go come August September they won't have a quarterback ready for the preseason, you know, to kind of get the blood flowing going. Or July when training camp begins. We haven't, they haven't figured that out yet. And that's what I think is the situation. And this is why Devontae Adams isn't happy. Because if, because if Jimmy Garoppolo is not ready to go, they're going to have to go get another quarterback and re, reinvent the wheel here and get a new offense running to fit that quarterback. Or they're going to, or they're going to hope for the best and hope that, their quarterback situation can work, or if they can get another uh, get another quarterback right now if they absolutely need to, which I don't know who they're going to go get because there's not a lot of quarterbacks available. Unless, like I said, Matt Ryan or Carson Wentz or go trade for, for, Danny, for Andy Dalton, Marcus Mariota, whoever they may go get. This is just a situation that the, I think the Raiders just put themselves in because he didn't pass physical like, I, like I'm repeating. He didn't pass... They still sign him anyways. They put a, cl- a clause in there. That's a that's a that's a real concerning factor, and I think that's very unnecessary if you were not worried about who you're bringing into the building. They are worried that Jimmy Garoppolo can't play, and it seems like he's still not ready to play. And we are right in the June. We are a month away from training camp and two months from the preseason. And he is or two to three for the preseason. We're about a month or two from training camp and he still has a set foot on the field OTAs are going on and he's not there because his foot's not ready and that is a concerning part but the Raiders put themselves in that situation because there's no way you signed him and did not know this was going to be this was something that may happen so we'll see what the Raiders have to do maybe they can fix the Devontae Adams situation and then figure out quarterback that would be my that would be what I would do in my in my opinion Alrighty, so other big news from the NFL to be the last topic for today. DeAndre Hopkins was officially released from the Arizona Cardinals. My reaction was, I know he wasn't happy in Arizona after whatever the heck was going on in Arizona. But wow, I did not think they would actually release him. I honestly did not think that they would not release him or they would try to trade for him next year. I knew that I know that a lot of people were not going to try to trade for DeAndre Hopkins because he still had another two years left in his contract. And I believe this one is the bigger part of the contract. 
but nobody really wanted him. You know, he came off a suspension, he came off an ACL injury, but even after he came back from suspension, he still had a great game, averaged seven catches a game. He went to the, I believe he got selected All-Pro, I believe, or he went to the Pro Bowl, 1,400 yards still, and that's off a really, really bad year. He had that amazing Hail Murray catch, uh, and that was amazing. So, what we don't know what's going to happen now. But now, with DeAndre Hopkins gone, let's start in Arizona, who are they going to throw the ball to? Because I don't really know what, because Robbie Anderson's not there, or is it Chosen Anderson? Whatever his name is. Anderson ain't there. <laughs> He's gone. Now D-Hop is gone. Who's Kyler Murray, what's Kyler Murray going to work with? You know what I'm saying? Like, who are they going to go with now? Because he doesn't have much talent left to work with, aside of maybe running backs and Zach Ertz. It's just, I don't know what's going on with that team anymore in Arizona. I thought I thought Vegas is losing their minds. They are definitely losing it in Arizona because I thought they would at least keep him for one more year and then try to trade him and get some value next year so that way whoever wants to pay the last year of his contract can get the last year of the contract. But now they just cut him with two years still left. Now, everything, now everything's up to DeAndre Hopkins and where he's going to go. Now, where do I think he's going to go? I, I'm going to go with Kansas City. Here's why I think the Kansas City Chiefs. Because he wants to play with a proven quarterback, and I'm sure he just wants to get a Super Bowl at this point. Because he is way too good. So I know the top two are probably going to be either the Bills or Kansas City. I think Kansas City, just because you, we all saw what they were able to do this past season without Tyreek Hill and just basically Travis Kelsey and a bunch of wide receivers. And they did really well. Now they got Kadarius Toney, who might be a number who Everyone's saying he could be a number one, but who knows how that's going to work because he didn't work out in New York. And now they get D-Hop. They have a proven number one. Now things could get interesting. Now, you know, the playbook can open a little bit with Andy Reid, Big Red over there, and Patrick Mahomes. Because I'm sure Patrick Mahomes would love a wide receiver who is tall, lanky, got some speed, and go, go get the ball. And just high point it. And that's even the better part is that if he goes to Kansas City, he doesn't even have to necessarily be like the number one player or the number one target because Jason Kelsey's uh Travis Kelsey's still there. Not Jason Travis. Travis Kelsey's still there. Kadarius Tony's kind of trying to make his name or whatever. But DeAndre Hopkins can come in, you know, kind of either be a decoy or put him in a goal line goal line situations and throw it up to him. Because he can still do that. Like I said, a down year in Arizona, he still got 1,400 yards and averaged seven catches a game. After having a bad year for Arizona, and he was suspended. So imagine what he can do with a good offensive-minded coach, Patrick Mahomes, proven quarterback. They're trying to figure out the running back situation, but they're probably going to run with Pacheco. Or not Pacheco. Yeah, Pacheco. And then Travis Kelsey's still there. Kadarius Tony's on the rookie deal, so they don't have to pay much. Now the question mark is going to be who's going to pay what for DeAndre Hopkins? That's going to be, I believe, the bigger question is who, how much are people willing to pay? Because Kansas City was is able to work around the Patrick Mahomes deal. They can they can work around it. Had a couple years to figure it out and try to see what they can do messiah cap wise, and go about it that route. Because these other teams I've heard like Baltimore, I don't think Baltimore because they just signed Odell, Zay Flowers, uh, Black, uh, the other wide receiver. Uh, he's coming back. 
Lamar Jackson just got a giant contract, so they probably don't have money right now to give him anything. Uh, Philadelphia, he said, was another one, but the same issue. They just gave Jalen Hurts a lot of money, so I don't really see them having a lot to spend right now, especially since they're probably paying A.J. Brown a lot of money. Devontae Smith's coming up soon, and they're, you know, who who knows who else is up for a contract next season. So I think that, I think that that might be a little bit on hold. I heard I heard another team that it was the Bills, but I mean the Bills I think have a lot of weapons on offense. I think they just need a running a better run or at least a run game that's gonna allow Josh Allen to just throw the ball and not QB draw and run and run and be the leading rusher. So I don't think so, but him and Stefan Diggs, man, that would be a killer, a killer duo. And then put uh Gabriel in the slot like he usually plays. Oh man. That's going to be a hard AFC East opponent to go up against every year. So it's going to be a big question mark on where he's going to go. Hopefully we can all figure out what's happening with that. But Arizona, I don't think they should have released him this year unless they just wanted to do it to clear some salary cap, which I don't know who they're going to bring in for that but to replace him. But we'll see what Arizona has to wants to do. And then on top of that, I think Kansas City will get him because they have a little bit more time to work with work with. Patrick Mahomes' contract and see what they can go from from there. Plus, they don't really need to offer him like a five-year, six-year long-term deal. You know, they can kind of give him a two-year deal and see where they go from there and hope that they're happy. I think another team I heard was the Browns. Uh, Deshaun Watson has always been, you know, gun-ho about working with DeAndre Hopkins again because, I mean, that that was a great duo. You know, Amari Cooper's great, great, but... Adding D-Hop to that Cleveland offense would definitely be a big help to the wide receiver game and help out Cleveland even more, especially going up against Cincinnati and Baltimore since Baltimore got Lamar Jackson back. So it's going to be interesting to see where D-Hop may go and who he's going to talk to and who is going to be interested. But alrighty, everybody, that's going to wrap things up on this episode of the CAV Sports Podcast. Make sure you follow me on all of my social media at CAV Sports CAV or CAV Sports Podcast. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and then you guys can be able to stream uh, the latest episodes or any other episodes you missed on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Amazon Music. But till next time, I'll see you later.